Good morning. Welcome back. We're here. We good made morning, it. Good morning. Good evening. <laughs> yeah. Good night. Good afternoon. Everyone, we've got we've got every time zone. So let's just go for go for the whole shebang. I'm just gonna go with hello. I feel like that's just yeah. I feel like no one can I mean, really. We can everyone though, so we can do everyone. Yeah. I mean, some people um, will be listening from like the last show and leaving, and they'll be like, you know, wanting a goodbye. So. Oh, so true. Bye. Oh. I guess. Or stay, just stay. That would be great. It's just like sup work, like I don't know. Yeah, clearly not from the yeah. dead silence. Thanks, Laura, for your support. <laughs> Never mind. Um, I'd like to address something very exciting for all our listeners. We are both now fully qualified you. to run this show <laughs> because Laura is officially an adult. She's no longer a teenager. She's twenty. It was uh, what a time. What, what an unsettling age. Like, it's such a weird birthday. Oh, I know. Because you're not 21. It's not cool. Yeah. You but are not really anything cool. 20. Yeah. But I mean, you're not 19. That's kind of the yeah. only upside. <laughs> Best part, not 19. Worst part, yeah. 20. 20. Mm. <laughs> like, do you really want to be there? I don't really know, but mm, interesting well, one. I guess it's bad luck, really, because you're here. Yeah. And what are you reading in your new decade? Well, funnily, funnily enough, actually, I, so it was, you know, five to midnight, the eve of my birthday. And I'm like, what should I do to like read in the new decade of my life? Like, well, I could do anything. I could like watch something. I could clean my room, which really needs cleaning. I could do anything. And I decided to pick up Midnight Sun and I read some more of Midnight Sun and I loved it. And I honestly, it made me so happy because I think I was reading the first Twilight when I turned 13. I'm like, no, I, it was before then, actually. But I might have been reading it on the night just to, just to be like symbolic yeah. and artistic. I like that. Um, yeah. So it, it, was, it felt like full circle moment. So yeah, I'm still reading Midnight Sun, basically. That, that was that story. <laughs> See, I, I would have really liked that story if you had have finished Midnight Sun. Yeah, like, that wasn't going to happen. I'm not, I'm not criticizing you but... <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest would you rather I make it up and then next week I come in and I'm like still reading Midnight Sun <laughs> just starting to reread it major plot holder <laughs> how's, um, how's Anake going um, Anake has been put back on the shelf not because she's bad just wasn't in the mood for her I'm now reading mm. The Prison Healer which isn't oh. out yet um, <gasps> but I'm just reading it I'm reading an advanced proof of it so far I really <laughs> like it it's a bit dystopian a bit weird she works in a prison and she's like young, like she's like 16 because of course she is because yeah. this is an as adult show. We don't read adult novels here. <laughs> why, would we, um, why would we do that? That sounds boring. It'd be crazy. It'd be a waste of time as well and our youth. So, so yes. Now, I have to confess to anyone who's here from TikTok and like Hello. knows everything that went on there, <laughs> I have to apologise and also give a warning. One, I attempted to make a TikTok. I know you've only seen Laura's face and she's gorgeous, so that's fantastic. And we love oh, you're it. welcome. <laughs> I know I haven't introduced myself on TikTok yet, but I tried to the other night and I am horrific at it. I didn't realise how demeaning making a TikTok was, but when you can't lip sync and your expressions are all off, my friend Jemima just kept watching them and be like, why are you so serious? Why are you just staring the camera down? Because like, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> what am I meant to I do? You just need to watch more TikToks. I think when you watch them and you know how people do it, like it's easier to kind of mimic. But as well, the funniest thing is that I was, um, it was obviously 
Laura's in Australia and she's at the pub because you can do that in Australia. And I was babysitting like mid morning and I get a text like TikTok and I'm like, try that again. Like, let's try typing that one one more time. And she was like, don't watch the drafts on TikTok. And I was like fighting to get into them. I'm like scrolling through and refreshing and she'd already deleted them. I was so gutted. No, they were up for a good 12 hours. I woke up the next day, went onto TikTok, saw them, and was just like, oh, God. I don't know why I couldn't oh, see them. I don't know if it's maybe because, like, you can't see them from different logins. But that's so annoying because how are we meant to make TikToks together? I feel like you should. I think it probably just wasn't, I don't know. To be fair, I may not have even saved them as drafts. Maybe they're on my camera roll. I was not with them. Yeah, they will be saving to embarrassed roll, and I just wanted them gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's anyway, so moving on from our TikTok embarrassment, if you'd like to stay in with those, uh, the chronicles of our TikTok journeys, we are on TikTok really? as, I believe our name as an adult underscore star. Yeah, is just the same. And name on Instagram. So if you want to watch me make a fool of myself at some point in the future and mm-hmm. want to make or just be an absolute star the whole time. Although the thing with TikTok actually, very briefly touching on, is all the controversy in the comments about, so the, the TikTok, we had one TikTok that got like nearly 300,000 views about um uh, the fault on our stars because i kind of you know i made it after the last episode i was like it'll be like a good promo little did i know it ended up being very good promo because <laughs> a lot of people listened to it. a bit of a fight starter yeah because people were so, so it was basically a crit it was a modern criticism criticism of um of the anne frank house kiss it was you know calling now a bit and people were very offended on behalf of john green people were very <laughs> you were here last week yeah and like people were quoting the book at us they were like pe- people were tagging John Green people were replying being like that's so disrespectful like for what he's done for young adult literature and it's like okay but he's still getting paid the argument that amused me the most was like why would you criticize him if he can't change it and it's like because people can learn yeah you know, like people can build on their mistakes and they can learn from their last novel and yeah, he's still making money from the merchandise and from the book sales and probably from the film sales too. Like, when he's still profiting from it, I feel like it's still fair game to criticise him for it. Also, it was literally a joke. Like, you know, it, it wasn't that serious. Um, and also all the arguments, like, it's what Anne Frank would have wanted. It's so, like, we don't know. We don't, it's, it's very Justin Bieber-y of you. Point, also, <laughs> she would have been a believer. She would have been a believer. Um, she would have loved the kids. <laughs> the whole point of all that is that we don't know what she would have wanted yeah she's dead and like that's the tragedy of it she didn't get yeah. to grow up and decide what she wants she was a exactly. child it's very sad anyway should we see who we can offend with our yeah. the model instruments cassandra claire chat today maybe quite a few people i'm excited yeah. to see let's see what we can do laura would you like to give us a quick overview of like as little of cassandra claire as possible Oh, would I? I (laughs) So Cassandra Clare, so we're going to be talking about the Mortal Instruments specifically today, but she wrote a lot of books. She wrote the Mortal Instruments series and then uh, the Clockwork Angel series, the Infernal Devices. They're still going. Uh, In fact, there's one coming out tomorrow, apparently, we found out while we were scrolling through TikTok. So um, we knew this, we totally planned it. Yeah, yeah, it was completely planned. We actually have a proof and we read it and we're analysing it today. Um, just wait till the end, the very end for that. Um, and uh, basically, we're yeah, the first book of the Mortal Instruments series did really well, and it is actually a very good book. They made that one into a film, 
it was essentially about um, uh, this girl, Clary, who's kind of a cool New York teenager. And she um, is, you know, living with her mom in like a cool apartment in New York. And then her mom goes missing and she has to find her and she has to figure out what's gone on and kind of figure out her past as well. And like why someone would want to kind of kidnap her and take her. And that's really weird. And she essentially finds out that, um, uh, well, she kind of finds out that her mom in a past life was a shadow hunter. And that makes Clary also a shadow hunter. So she gets involved with the shadow hunters of New York, Jace Way- Wayland. Is he Wayland in that book? His name changes a lot. He's, he begins as Wayland, yes, that is correct. Yeah, who is the heartthrob. He's like a four like heartthrob. If you saw the Divergent episode, you know. Um, there's also Alec and Isabel and uh, what's his name? Clary's um, best friend Simon also gets involved. Eventually gets turned into a vampire. That's kind of funky. Um, and then towards the end of the first book, she finds Valentine and figures out that Valentine's looking for something called the Mortal Cup, which you can use to make more shadow hunters, who are people that fight demons essentially um, with runes and that kind of cool lore. Um, and uh, she finds out that Valentine's kind of this evil we, we did what well, we described him as kind of like a, a Voldemort sort of figure in the shadow hunter world um and uh he has taken her mom because he wants the mortal cop to make more shadow hunters to kind of reduce the amount of humans in the world and you know blood purity and all that kind of evil stuff and uh when clary finds him he tells him that uh he's her dad and that jace is actually her brother and they've had a bit of a relationship up until then um, that turns out not to be true, but we'll we'll get to that. That is a a point of controversy. And the rest of the books kind of go on like them fighting Valentine and investigating the Shadow Hunter world and Clary learning more about it and all that kind of interesting stuff. Yeah, anything to add? I mean, there was a lot going on in all of the books. That was a very very vague overview. I think that was a pretty solid overview. I think I think that's pretty much all I'd have to say. Um, except that it's basically this crazy thing that we see in like every. Um, young adult thing where the teenagers are trying to save the world and the adults just won't listen to them so like the government of the shadow hunters just ignore them seven books the and they adult, somehow save the realm the only adult that's kind of even present slightly is luke and he's a werewolf so he's not even luke's um kind of clary's stepdad figure i guess but he oh, yeah. we're going back real far he was like valentine's friend and, and all that kind of interesting stuff um so he's not he even technically a shadow hunter anymore exactly. so he's not even that involved and he majorly goes in between parenting and deciding he wants nothing to do with Clary, which in my opinion yeah. is a bit of a toxic stepdad approach. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah, definitely. she doesn't even have much consistency in her, her parenting life, especially yeah. in, you know, ages 16 to 18. It changes a lot. <laughs> I think the thing it reminds me the most of is I think it was Enid Blyton who said, um, kill the parents as quickly as you can. Like, yep. just get rid of them. Just so... Yep. Goes to the famous five, and everyone can go and have their adventures without anyone, famous without five. a single parent being like, "Hey, you coming home for dinner?" No. What I love right. about the famous five is that they go stay at their aunt and uncle's house, and so it's like, yeah. well, their aunt and uncle, their parents would look for them, but the aunt and uncle are like, "Yeah, we'll be fine. We've probably gone home. <laughs> no big deal." <laughs> oh, totally. it's very weird. Um, so I think I think the place to start with the model instruments is with Cassandra Clare right Mm. she's got an entire franchise around all these books I think I'm not even sure how many books she's got I think I said the other day that I've read 12 of her books 
Yeah. I own 14, but that's not even half of them. Um, and she has this all, not all, nearly all of her books are based in the shadow hunter world in this idea of this like super, not superior race, God, that's a dangerous, um, mm. of this elevated. Like, magical, elevated, yeah. angelic race that yeah. um, saves humankind and fights the demons for us and we can't even see them. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I just, there's something I just absolutely admire about Cassandra Clare that she's not only created a world that is so consistent across all her books, but that she sustains it for all of them, that she still has ideas within that world and keeps turning them out. Yeah. And like when you compare it to something like Harry Potter, that, you know, JK Rowling has kind of dabbled in extending the world with things like Fantastic Beasts, but it's not it's not so much about the world anymore. It just becomes about like, you know, we know the world so well, it's not that complex. So it's kind of, there's another story in it from a hundred years ago. But with Cassandra Clare, she's constantly expanding it and constantly exploring the limits of it and the history of it. And that's so clever and so interesting and consistent that I don't know of any real plot holes in terms of lore or worlding or um, like character history or anything impressive the amount of stuff she's written it genuinely is yeah totally and I see I did some research <laughs> research I enjoy doing because it required me just going onto Cassandra Clare's Tumblr and like having a look through um and she like will like consistently answer like fans questions on Tumblr and like questions yeah. about or questions about like oh how would this exist in this realm and every single answer she has and it's like I'm, I imagine she has to have, like, files or something on her computer of just, oh, like, truly. every type of demon, every type of, like, angel, every, you no, know. I like to imagine it's, like, a cork board with red string and she's, like, <laughs> connected it. I, as much as I she, – she does give me those vibes. As much as she's very impressive in that way, obviously there's, there's negative aspects to her character. Um, but, Absolutely. yeah, I think – She's very involved in her fan and very involved in her fan because she she came from fandom. And we were going to talk about this, but she you know, this eventually started as a Harry Potter fanfic, very controversial origins um, in terms of like stealing other people's content and uh, being like a Ron and Ginny fanfic. Which is let's, let's not skip over this. This is all important stuff that yeah. you and I know that I'm not sure everyone else knows. Um, do we want to start with stealing fanfic? Yeah, um, go for it. So. Cassandra Clare is, and it's not confirmed, but it is strongly suspected that she ripped off another woman's um, fan fiction and it's no longer published. It used to be published. Um, And she ripped it off and said it was her own and posted it as fan fiction, which is really weird on like so many levels because fan fiction is Mm -hmm. such like a, it's a self-enjoyment thing. Like there aren't a lot of people who do it. I mean, you know, you get your money. magic people who make money off it like Anna Todd um but for most people fan fiction is just the enjoyment of delving back into a world that you don't have any more content on mm-hmm. so it's a really weird thing to steal someone else's fan fiction it's like what are you gaining from that are you gaining glory are you gaining attention like maybe a bit but not enough to kind of sustain it I don't know it's very strange behavior to me the only thing I can like the only way my mind can like accept it, well, not accept it, but like conceive it, like is that perhaps there's this idea of reading something that's so good that you just want your name on it. Like, you know, when you read a book mm. and you're like, oh, I wish I had have written this. Like, this is so good. Yeah. Even then, like, there's no satisfaction in that. But I do think as well with fan fiction, because it's kind of, you know, fan fiction itself is looking at something and being like, I want to 
write that like I want to have the experience of writing that so when you see a fan fiction that you really enjoy it's not that far of a cry to then be like I want to write that version of that and write you know I've seen that all the time people writing different versions of fan fiction with like slightly different endings or like modified characters or settings and stuff and it, it is something that's kind of in the culture of of those websites but to fully rip off an entire fan fiction especially she had a cult following even at that point so yeah. it was like you know it wasn't like she was kind of a 14 year old going oh th- this is so much fun like she knew what she was doing and she did eventually profit from it so I don't know very strange yeah and let's talk about what else she profited from now Jemima my friend warned me on no uncertain terms that I if I didn't give an incest discussion warning <laughs> that she would completely stop listening to the show forever so here's your warning click Sandra away Claire wrote a very questionable Harry Potter fan fiction Laura do you want to so she so she took this fan fiction well allegedly took this fan fiction it's not confirmed we can't like prove that um and she made it into a Ron and Ginny fan fiction and if you're not familiar with Harry Potter they are siblings they are brother and sister and um she wrote quite a graphic incestual fan fiction which you know very very strange and then as it started to get more traction it started to become a bit more popular and it started to get attention from um I guess kind of you know the idea of mainstream media and publication and you know making it into a book she changed it into a Draco and Ginny fan fiction which is why we get Clary who has a red hair and Jace who is you know blonde and pale and mean yeah whole whole shebang <laughs> so so it's it's very strange especially considering the content that the book goes on to kind of explore of um of clary and jace believing their brothers and sisters for a while and having this kind of strange relationship um it's very strange to to not only have that from so early on, but have that be the point of the fan fiction to explore that relationship, to explore a brother and sister relationship. Um, yeah, very, very weird. It definitely is uh, controversial, to say the least. To me, the whole thing screams only child. Yeah. I just, I cannot, like there is no, <laughs> there is no one, I've said it before, I'll say it again. There is no one who has a sibling yeah. that has ever wanted to explore that in fan fiction. It's just, it's just no yeah. one wants that. Um, and it's a really weird psychic, psyche aspect of Cassandra Clare because she pushes mm. these boundaries of like not only siblingship but also friendship and everything. She pushes these boundaries constantly in Definitely. her books. Um, she's obsessed with this. Well, not obsessed, but she, yeah, actually, I'm going with obsessed. I'm standing by it. We're sticking with it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to commit to it. Um, she's obsessed with this concept of having someone grow up next to you. Um, we see that with um, Jules and Emma Casters. Yeah. They're not related, but they're best friends. They've known each other since they were born. a lot as well. Like, we've, we're not, we're, we just grew up together. Like, Jason, Alec, yeah. and Jason, Isabel, and. Yes. And Jason, yeah. Alec. Well, Simon I mean, Jason's in love with Alec, but Alec has a crush on yeah. Jace for the entirety of the first book. Yeah. Um, and they grew up together as brothers. And there's just this aspect of like, I just want, I just want, like, I want two seconds of Cassandra Clare's time to be like, do you understand what being related is? Yeah. There's nothing romantic about it. Siblings I think it's her. Worse. 
I think to her, and it's very misguided, but I think for her, it's like um, this incredibly kind of taboo thing. And it's like saying something that's unsaid and saying something that's undone for the sake, not even of shock factor, but to emphasize how evil the villains were and how evil Valentine was that he could put them through this and how evil, you know, all, all this kind of how twisted it all is. But I think she really misses the point because it's like it's not done for a reason because it's not something that anyone's really interested in in listening in on and, and it, you know no one wanted the incest storyline no I don't know anyone who I know ev- everyone I knew who read it was like it would be great if they just took that bit out could have done without the incest if I'm being honest yeah, yeah um, exactly absolutely like it, that's exactly it and it didn't serve the plot I and I Ooh. just cannot get over the fact that why would you put something in that's just so uncomfortable and unnecessary if it doesn't serve the plot? Like she could have, if she wanted Jason Clary to be a part for the second and third book, major fight. Maybe Clary's dating Simon. Maybe, I don't also, know, Jace disappears off the edge of the earth. I don't care. They're <laughs> both like consistently characterised as very stubborn, kind of brutal people. And that it's not a far cry for them to be like, you know, for him to do something or for her to do something and to be like, I can't be around you anymore. Like, that was too far. And, like, that's that. And then, and then there's, this, there's this absurd bit that I got to that in the third book of, oh, I don't even know what it's called, City of Ashes. In the City of Ashes yeah. where Clary's actual brother shows up, Bastion, yeah. who's this demon kid who's been injected with demon blood since he was born and he's completely evil and he's terrible. And he kisses Clary as well. So it's so clearly not like a, oh, like it's just Clary and Jace's dynamic. It's just like a plot twist mm-hmm. for them. It's clearly like a hang-up that Cassandra Clare has because then we like, when we get into Sebastian's head later in the series, we find out that Sebastian like wanted to kiss Clary because he wanted her to be all his and he knew they were siblings and they had this connection yeah. that he wanted to like enforce. It, I mean, it's just messed up. It's just weird. And I think as well, because she, she just doesn't, I don't think she understands that brother-sister relationship. And I think to her, a male-female relationship is, is always that underlying possibility. Maybe because that's, I mean, I don't want to speak for her, like, you know, generalize her experiences, but maybe that's kind of her experience of, like, close relationships with men. But that doesn't exist in a sibling relationship. It does, it's not no. there. Like, that's very weird. And it's exploiting this, like, attraction or this like underlying thought that doesn't exist so when people are reading it they're like but why like no one no one would act like this it's not it's not very vivid or understandable or good (laughs) yeah I just I honestly think it is the product of an only child Mm. wanting a friend and wanting a like a friend who stays and romanticizing that so much to the point that they like she can't see how those things are different yeah, and it annoys me because um, she has that in Simon. She has someone she's grown up around forever and they have a bit of a relationship. She and it's like, why do you need to do this, this weird thing? Like, there, there just wasn't any need. There, there wasn't a need. And she did, I think as well, she was so hung up on it being a Ron and Ginny fan fiction. I think she was so in love with the fan fiction she wrote that she couldn't let that go. When she started writing it as a book, she, she just it had to be in there somehow. And she, even when it became something that wasn't that anymore, she couldn't let it go. She just had to keep totally. it. Totally. So that leads me to my next um, 
question about not letting things go. Cassandra Clare has not let this world go. We have, no. I've got no idea how many we've got today. We must be at 20, 25 books. At least. Well, as of tomorrow, 26. <laughs> and counting. And there's another one coming out this year. This isn't even our only one this year. No. So I think in a way, Cassandra Clare is clearly incredibly good at what she does. Mm-hmm. She writes these amazing books that we all just get completely enthralled in. Um, but at the same time, when is it enough? Yeah, at what point? Is she? I don't think she'll ever really stop. Like, no. I, I think maybe her fan movement, she has such a cult fan movement behind her and she always has. And I think that that will die down eventually. You know, people kind of grow up or they lose interest and I don't know, that just happens. But I think she'll keep on writing and I think a small group of people will keep on reading for a long, long time still to come. And, I mean, this is probably a judgment on Cassandra Clare that is obviously I don't know her. <laughs> Sadly, we're not close personal friends. Um, but I actually think there's an aspect of Cassandra Clare that couldn't let that world go because I yeah. think, and I think it's the mark of a really amazing author. Yeah. They live so much in that world that that world is real to her. And as well, like just to say, the world building in this is fantastic. It is Phenomenal. so thorough, so in-depth and so new I've never read anything like it before I'm sure it comes from inspiration from other older literature and stuff like that but as a YA reader and I read a lot of YA I didn't read anything else like that and it was so consistent throughout all of the books that I read I think you would say the closest lore would be Lord of the Rings or Mm. Harry Potter but even I mean Lord of the Rings maybe came a lot closer yeah like even neither of them managed to touch on this and she has yeah. like she even has like the um the like the oh god it's gone out of my head like the family tree that's it yeah <laughs> she's got the family tree for like generations and generations and generations and generations she knows that world inside out back to front the best thing is that she can communicate it yeah because I think so often we get these authors who have this fantastic idea. They can't let anyone in properly. They can't let, like can't communicate the entire world, and they have all these things they know about the world, but no one else really gets. Whereas Cassandra Clare has this amazing capacity to write a world that invites you in and makes you a part of it. Yeah, I think it's just so so impressive, like the amount of how I don't know, like she started off with one of one book in one series, that ended up being a seven book series, and now there's been what. Two, three, four others. I, I honestly don't know how many other series there are. I think um, we're at five and five. a few standalones. And the fact that you can have a world that is interesting for all those books and that's something new can be explored and there are still boundaries to be pushed and there are still things to be done. It's not boring because at some point these, these worlds get boring. It's like, well, I don't really want to be here anymore, especially when there's something new that's being written. And it's such, I don't know, she, she goes to such extreme lengths and it's, so well done it is absolutely and yeah I just think it's amazing and I mean we can criticize her till the cows come home for yeah. her weird fetishes and everything but she's a fantastic writer she was phenomenal and she wrote the other thing I loved is you often get authors who can write a really good world but they can't write a good character yeah you get this really cool character. world and then the characters just drive you mental but she has some standout YA characters that have gone down in like some sort of history. Like you have Jace, Clary, Ma- um, Magnus Bane, obviously. I'm trying to think who else. 
Alec, absolutely. Jen, I didn't. I didn't even read. I read one of the Clockwork Angels, and I know who Jam is. I know everything about him. And like Will. Will Herondale. Yeah. I think we should probably cut to a song, but when you yeah. come back, I want to talk Will Herondale. I want to t- talk Jace Herondale. Incest aside, God, I love him. <laughs> um, keep on talking. Keep on talking. <laughs> oh, that song's not working. Oh, God. All right. Let's keep on okay. talking. There we go. No, we're good. We're good. Oh, uh, so this okay. is Heart by Heart. Uh, enjoy. When your soul finds the soul it was waiting for When someone walks into your heart through an open door When your hand finds the hand it was meant to hold Don't
I am a massive fan of that song. I, I just feel, I don't think I'd ever heard it before. I just think it's the scene. Okay, just to set the scene for anyone who doesn't um, know it, it's the scene where we have um, Claire and Jacob for the first time before we know that they're um, related. And it's just this really sweet. They're in the garden, and she like just falls into oh, him. Oh, I and do it's remember like, it actually. The garden, like they're on the stairs. Yeah, and you all oh. like you're just like oh. The film, okay. The film's actually good. Before we get to the film, yeah. though. Yes, I want to talk Chase and I want to talk Will Herondale. Okay. And anyone else you want to talk, but they're my two that I want to talk about. <laughs> they're what we're going with. <laughs> I was a big I, Jace fan. To this day, actually, I'm still a big Jace fan. I think he's a very well-written love interest. And, like, it's, it's a very good enemies to lovers storyline. Like, it's not forced, but it's also, there's enough tension. I don't know. I think it's really good. I think he was very well characterized as well. I agree. I didn't. It's kind of interesting because when I first read it, I didn't like him that much. Like I liked him, but I didn't like have this like, oh my god, he's fantastic. Because I was mm-hmm. so irritated by the whole bad boy like meanness. Most I was like, why do you have to be mean? Why can't you just be funny? <laughs> um, and so then I read about Will Herondale, who, for anyone who's really confused as to why we've got two Herondales. Will Herondale is Jace's like ancestor, which makes it sound creepy that I was into the ancestor, but in the book he's a normal age. Um, <laughs> a normal age. I feel like most ages are normal. <laughs> no, but I mean he's just not like 3,000 years old because oh, he's okay. an ancestor. He's, getting, he's not Edward Cullen, alright? Oh, okay, okay. He's not an 113 year old vampire. <laughs> Anyway. He's 17, which actually that's probably worse oh. now. Yeah, yeah I feel you like 109 would be more appropriate than 17. Yeah. Well, I said 113. I don't know where you got 109 from. Wait, he is 109, so that was, that was where I got that. Oh, okay. <laughs> As you know his age and his birth date, we're not going to go into that on air. So. <laughs> okay, Will, sorry. Will, Hang on. I just want to tell everyone about your birthday present. <laughs> so Laura's it's birthday. Good. I found on Etsy a wooden, like, kitchen spoon, like a wooden stirring spoon that had Edward Cullen's face engraved on it. It's actually, I don't think it's Edward Cullen. I think it's Robert Pattinson. Like, it's not him as Edward Cullen. It's just him as him, which to me is so much funny. <laughs> what did you say? Sorry, I it's lost It's devastating information. <laughs> oh, just it's devastating information. I thought it was Edward Cullen. Well, I mean... Well, for we'll most people, it's not really a distance, a difference. For me, there's um a big, but I love them both, so it's fine. Just it was, I found it really more amusing. <laughs> anyway, Jace Herondale versus Will Herondale. Will Herondale had a way less of the snark. Also, I mm. I don't know actually. I thought he was more educated, but now I'm thinking about it. They both knew their books and like Latin and everything inside out. But Jace was annoying about it. If I met a boy like Jace, yeah. he was like you've not read this and this and this, it would be like, all right, we actually have a podcast about literature. So, so don't, don't, don't do that. I want you to know something that I think is going to spoil your entire view of Jace. Jace would a hundred percent walk up to you and be like, how good was Great Expectations by Charles Dickens? (laughs) No, gone, gone. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I don't know. I, I don't think he would like Great Expectations, but he would do it about Dickens in general. He would, though, because Will Herondale was obsessed with The Tale of Two Cities. I love The Tale of Two Cities. That's the only one I like. I've got, I've got it's it to read. I just haven't done it yet. 
Unlike Great anyway. Expectations, it's actually good. <laughs> yeah. I well, I enjoyed Great Expectations. But Okay. Some of us had a life in first year uni, so <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't me, but some of us did. I had tonsillitis. Tonsillitis. <laughs> right, that's enough out of you. Anyway, Jace Whaler. That was a t- <laughs> orchard soul wears leather all the time, much mm-hmm. like Theodore James. I'm not saying his character name because I get bullied for it. Um, he's just this heartbroken boy who part of you just wants to fix, which is like, I think he's pull for you when you're like 13, 14, 15. You're like, no, I can yeah. fix him. No, I'm a fully mature human who can fix this boy who's got all these problems and all these chips on his shoulder. Actually, what I like as well, sorry to interrupt, but okay. Clary doesn't really fix it. Like, yes. he comes to her broken and then they kind of spend some time apart. But when they get back together, he's like, no, let's like, let's kind of work on this together. And he's kind of got that bit more maturity. And I love that because you never normally women are doing all the fixing so that was quite um, that's quite refreshing actually looking back I think also when you say like fixed and broken and I know I started that language but I also Mm. love that he's not broken like Mm. he's wounded that's certain but he's a fully capable person he's a hundred percent like I mean sometimes he makes some pretty emotional decisions um deciding to join his evil father was probably one yeah I I wouldn't put that in the top 10 I'm not sure he did a pros and cons list for that. Um, but he is he is 100% a standalone. And I really like that because mm-hmm. you never get this sense for Clary and Jace that they, like, they don't depend on each other yeah. as much as they just want to depend Definitely. on. I mean, they don't want to depend on each other, but you know what I mean? Like, they want yeah. each other. They don't need each other. And even um, when they're apart like I have this issue with with Twilight and with New Moon that when Edward and Bella are apart they are like half half of what they are and that's so wrong because you shouldn't be in a sort of relationship it's codependent it's not healthy but Clara and Jace aren't like that like they spend time apart and yeah they miss each other and they know they want each other but they're also still like whole they're still themselves they're still people um and they don't need each other for happiness or for completion or anything and we actually we spoke about this the other day spoke about I mean sorry Laura and I spoke about this we did it outside of the view of all you guys of don't get us into all of our conversations <laughs> believe it or not we do this not live on air as yeah, well we, we just do this just for ourselves the heck of it. um but we spoke about this the other day about that trope in young adult literature of having the couple separate mm-hmm. and having one or both parts of that couple just absolutely destroyed in the separation yeah, And it's such a concerning trope because it suggests this idea that you need someone else and that, mm-hmm. like, the person you love you shouldn't be able to survive without, which isn't a legitimate thing. Um, like, the person you love should make you better, yeah, and, like, you yeah. should feel better with them than you do without them, but, like, you shouldn't need them to survive in any sense of the word. I also just feel like it's kind of lazy writing. It's like a way to make the relationship more important and the higher the stakes higher but without actually writing about the relationship it's just like their life fell apart and that's that and it's like well you know if if you're kind of doing it well you're characterizing the relationship well you can make the relationship meaningful because of how good it is and the their life is worse because they don't have the relationship not because they're depressed or because they can't you know do their job or whatever um, so I feel like she she does hit the nail on the head with that one. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it's that aspect. I also there's actually I also love that they date other people within the book. Yeah, I really yeah, like that Clary dates Simon. I didn't love like in as a reader, I was like, oh my god, yeah. what are you doing with Simon? Go to Jace. This is just this is just you being silly. But like upon review, I love the fact that there was yeah. never this idea that she didn't explore anyone else. And I think as well, if she didn't date Simon, it always would have been a thing. And it always just would have been like a like an underlying like, tension and like whatever. So I think that it, it was really clever to kind of have them together and people who really wanted them together have like the content of them together, but they, it's not forced. I don't know. Yeah. I quite like it. And I love that Cassandra Clare demonstrates why they don't work. Yeah. Because like, like I think right so often, page. Yes. so often if you don't explore like a pairing within a, like mm-hmm. within a fantasy novel like Cassandra Clare that's so big and has so many fleshed out characters, if you don't explore a pairing, you're always going to have someone who's like, oh my God, like, Clary and Simon would have been perfect and Cassandra Clare just never did mm-hmm. it. But if you show them together, you could be like, look, they weren't perfect. End of. Moving on to Jace. Yeah. He's gorgeous. <laughs> he's perfect. <laughs> um, but I really like the fact that they tried other people and they both agree- like both like realised that they preferred each other. Yeah, um, exactly. It's weird that it's such a healthy relationship built off something that is really weird. Mm-hmm. whole incest thing but it is like a it's a good relationship it's definitely grown beyond that I think that's something for all of Cassandra's Claire's books is that yeah they have this weird origin and that's definitely something to be criticized and questioned and just be aware of but the books as themselves and the series as themselves have grown beyond her and her character and her appearance um so I think I don't know I, th- I think it's nice that that can happen I think it's nice that it can extend beyond the weird origins and have these yes. kind of actually quite good but with books with good aspects at least totally and like I still listen like I've been listening I've listened to the past three on audiobook in the past few months like mm-hmm. I really I agree with you I like that the issues of because like the issues within the novel aren't sticking points for not listening to them and yeah. reading them listening to them. yeah <laughs> um you know it doesn't prevent us which means that like the rest of her book had to be so so good for you to overlook those issues yeah um but yeah and I want to talk a little bit about Alec and Magnus as well because I think they're probably one of the first like I want to say they're one of the first like gay couples in young adult lit that aren't a focal point Mm -hmm. like it was it's not definitely the first gay couple that I'd read about in a book because I, I don't think I would have picked up a book about a gay couple mostly because there wasn't very much um like lesbian representation and I just not yeah. generally not very interested in stories about men, so I just don't think I ever would have picked that up. So it was probably yeah. the first representation I ever saw, at least. Yeah, I think I think it was probably. I want to say it was the second. I think the first I saw was Will Grayson, Will Grayson. Mm. Um, but again, this idea that like they're not this focal point because in Will Grayson, Will Grayson, the whole thing is like the main character is gay. That's the book. That is the plot. Yeah. Point the book. John Green strikes again. Um, Whereas in this, like, as much as there's a discussion about it and there's, like, people finding out about it and, like, there's a little bit, there's issues with Alec and his family and everything, they also get to be fully fleshed out characters that have issues like getting attacked by demons and, like, Mm -hmm. not calling each other back. Um, And, like, 
I just loved watching them alongside everyone else rather than having to throw this limelight on the gay couple as though they've yeah. got to teach us something and be instrumental. Um, I think yeah. as well, there's such a thing, I've, I've been seeing a lot of posts about this on social media, about how we need stories that aren't about coming out and like we need stories about gay people that's not them realizing they're gay because we know that story and it's often not very accurate I mean I I can't speak for the gay community or for the LGBT community but like um we need stories that aren't just that because I mean that's kind of most stuff that I've seen that's kind of my only kind of relationship with the LGBT community and the media um and and I think as much as it definitely has that the first book especially Alec it's, it's kind of about him coming out and him being challenged by his family and coming out once you're past that, it's just stories about their relationships with each other and how they interact with themselves and the rest of their community and the world and everything. Um, and they became fan favourites because of that. Everyone loved them. Yes, and Magnus Bane, he is just a fantastic yeah. character. He is mm-hmm. 100% himself. He's cool. He's quirky. He's got these fantastic one-liners. Yeah. Um, his best, I mean, I've never seen his eyeliner really, but he has what I imagine I to be like the best eyeliner. <laughs> I feel like it's been rumored. <laughs> yes. Um, and he is a fantastic character. And then you get this serious Alec who is mm. so stoic. caught up in who he is and stoic. And I just, I just love them as a pair. I think they're just a fantastic example of and also not, like a modern couple who don't yeah, exactly just fit like, but love each other. Yeah, and they're not just kind of put together because they're the only gay characters. They actually are compatible people. They are people that work together in a relationship. So it's not yeah. just like, uh, you know, he's the first gay guy I've met, that'll do. It's like, yeah. no, this is worth it. This is worth the work and the pain and everything. Yeah, and you also see Alec work and you see Magnus work. You see them yeah. get in fights and try to, like, you know, um, settle down and try yeah. and catch on to each other. You don't see it as like a... Oh, perfect from day dot, um, which you do so often see in gay narratives because people so often find it hard to write about them. Mm. Um, when I say people, I mean like straight people find it hard to write about them, so they do just say like, "Oh, well, they're together because they're perfect for each other." Yeah, and they don't want to get um, it wrong. They don't want to like re- create the relationship and then have them arguing and like. I think they're worried that people will go, "Oh, you're um, you're implying that like gay relationships don't work and it's like so not yeah. that it's like they're just relationships they're relationships between people and when you treat them as like elevated or on a pedestal because they're gay it's part of the problem yeah. and it makes them unattainable exactly yeah and it, and it makes it like an unrelatable experience yes you get young gay kids who don't understand why they haven't found their perfect match yeah because realistically completely. most matches are like like in magnus where one of them is constantly just like what is the other person doing <laughs> Magnus, for God's sake, I don't know what the plan is here, but I don't think it's a good one. Um, like, I just love their entire dynamic. I think it's fantastic. Um, and then another character that I want to talk about, Simon, because, uh, Laura, you pointed this out to me and I cannot believe I missed it. I don't know how, but the character who plays Simon in the original Mortal Instruments movie is the same character who plays Klaus in the Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. I don't have his name. I'm not sure if Laurie is Robert Sheehan. Name. It's Robert Sheehan. <laughs> <laughs> Just so everyone knows. Oh, it's right there, Laura. <laughs> <What's>... <laughs> Didn't have to think about it. Um, Robert Sheehan. And he is gorgeous in that film. He's so beautiful. 
Oh my God. And you said the other day, you said to me, I don't know how they got away with putting glasses on that boy and making him seem unattractive. I have no idea how they managed it. I distinctly remember watching this film with my friends in like S1 or 2. And we were, you know, very big fans of Mortal Instruments. And this was the Jamie Campbell Bauer film. And we were all sitting there and we were like, Simon more attractive than Jace. And like, that's a thing. That's like impressive. And like, that's not how it is in the books. Like that is not that's nothing against Jamie Campbell Bauer because you know that that performance is iconic yeah. that has gone down in history for Absolutely. just wow, perfection. But it was such. Yeah. A, but the thing is as well, it was glorious miscasting because as much as he's meant to be like this kind of nerdy like boy, he ends up with Isabel, who's gorgeous. So it makes sense that he's actually really good looking, but like just has like a kind of introverted personality. And what I loved about that as well is the way Clary can't see it made more sense to me because when like Mm -hmm. and I also love that within the Cassandra Clare books because Simon isn't attractive in the Cassandra Clare books because Clary doesn't find him attractive and it's kind of the same with like the whole Bella and um Edward thing that Midnight Sun did where suddenly Bella we could understand why he liked her because it was from his point of view yeah um but I just love the fact this idea of like Clary growing up with this boy and at some point, Simon grew up, and boy, did he grow up. Like, he looked good. Did you see the veins in his forearms? Because, my goodness, I know that's a weird thing to focus on. I'm not even a nurse, but, like, it was attractive. Um, but I love this idea of Clary just never noticing that he grew up because they yeah. are just friends, and she just didn't ever realise that this was a really attractive young man next to her. Um yeah, I just, and so I think you're right. I think as much as it was like the wrong casting, it was also just like dead right really? because he ends up with Isabel, who's gorgeous and strong and fierce and yeah, everything. And so you can see why that happens. So it's really clever if, if accidental. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. as well, talking, now we've touched on the film. There is, if, you, if you're unfamiliar with the Mortal Instruments, um, there was two separate productions of this. So there was a film, like I, cannot, I couldn't tell you any years for this, but the film came out first and it starred Lily Collins, Jamie Campbell Bauer, and it was very mainstream, but like I enjoyed it. I think it's a good film to this day. I think it's a fair representation of the book. It's not, it's not got everything, but it would have been impossible for it to have everything. Um, but it was left. They didn't finish the series. They only did a standalone film, which was a crying shame. But such then, a shame. It was. And it had such good casting. Yeah. Um, I watched it just yesterday and mm-hmm. it, stand, it stood the test of time. It's still a great film. Yeah. I think it's very good that it can stand alone. Like it didn't, it didn't really need more books to come, but I would have appreciated them. Um, but then Netflix picked it up for a TV series, I think in like 2014 or 15 or something. And that is less impressive. Um, well, although... It's weird because I would say the main cast, like Clary and Jace, nowhere near as good. Yeah. The back, like the, not the background, mm-hmm. but the side characters, Isabel Lightwood finally is a woman of colour when she should Fantastic. have been in the first film, but she wasn't. And she's, in the film, she is literally so, like, stiff. She doesn't do, she has, like, four lines maybe. She's just kind of like, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's not good. And that's not Isabel's character. So in the TV series, it was a big step up for her, I would say. Yeah. And Alec, I, he... Is gorgeous in the yes. um, and that film. makes so and much sense. Matthew Daddario, right? Yes, His yes Matthew. Piercing, and I love it because like Magnus's first like line is like, 
um, like, I'm only letting you in because of the boy with the eyes. And in the film, you never really get that because you're like, well, he hasn't really got that good eyes. But in the um, TV series, you're like, yes, I would let Mm -hmm. him in too. Yep, exactly. Um, But then the main character, Dom Dom Perignon. um, Dom Dom Perignon. (laughs) I know that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a champagne and it's in my head. You brought it. No crowds crowds of friends (laughs) applauded. Um. Dom Sherwood. Um, Dom Sherwood, thank you. Dominic Sherwood, that's it. Gosh. Um, he, I just didn't enjoy. I hated the coat back hair. Yeah. Um, and I'm aware I'm picking all of my actors based on appearance and I'm sticking by it. Um, I like, he very, has like two different coloured eyes. I loved that. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, I, just, I felt like he looked very mainstream. Um, yeah. Whereas Campbell Bauer, like Jamie was very niche and it was it was just it fitted it perfectly I think it was always comparison that it was like you're not quite that though Jamie, yes and Jamie Campbell Bell also looked like if you told me he was descended from angels I would have been like yeah, yeah. I get that like he's got yep. he's got something about him that's a little bit different cheekbones like, and yeah. yes whereas um Dom Perignon I'm just going with it now um <laughs> he had like such a strong physique which just wasn't Jace to me yeah um, completely and then Clary, I've got no idea of the actor's name, um, oh, but she know. in the TV series was a shocking actor. Was oh, she did. Things, was cry I and scream. I remember at the time I saw her in something else after the TV series, and I remember being like, "She's okay. Like she's quite good in this." But she was awful in the series. Even at the time I was watching it, she was just awful. And like as the main character, if you have that. Every interaction after that just becomes awkward and stiff, and yeah. And she, yeah, she just had no, and like she cried all the time, but like for no good reason. And then when she should be crying, she wasn't. (laughs) It was just like, oh, it was just really weird. Um, I've also just had a text from one of my friends saying that Jace Wayland would have enjoyed King Lear, and I think that's. A sad but true point. I would have had many conversation about King Lear with him. He would be a Absolutely. King Lear fan. But do you know what? He would be like, you know what? Uh, Edmund wasn't that bad. What does he do that was that wrong? Tell me. Go on. Tell me. Like he would, he would have taken it completely the wrong way. He would have gone so far in the opposite direction. He would have immediately gone though. Like, well, Edmund was obviously a demon, and like Edgar was obviously an angel. Like it's just exactly. obvious. Like it's just how things yeah. are. Yeah. Totally. Um, but yeah, back to the film. Oh, we've only got like we've got like two minutes left. Actually, yeah. let's jump off the film. Um, Laura, what do you think? Pass it on. Mm, I I would definitely pass on Clockwork Angel, hundred percent. Um, yeah. I think I would. I think I would pass them. I think they're fun. They were fun to read. Um, yeah. definitely not too. I think I probably read them a little bit too young. So I think maybe a bit older. What about you? Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, yeah, no, I, I'm not sure where I'm hesitating. Absolutely pass them on. I think I would pass on Clockwork, um, the Infernal Devices series first. Yeah. Um, just because I just love that series. I thought it was fantastic. It's very good. But overall, I would, it's a, it's a universe I'd be very happy for, like, my kids um, to be a part no. of and to enjoy and explore. I had fun Plus, reading them. I had a great time. Exactly. And plus, like, Jace takes a condom to a demon realm, so he's spreading a safe sex message. And I'm yeah, exactly. Sex positive. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I think, and I think there's such a range of characters that it allows 
like you to find someone in there that you relate to. Um, yeah. Like for me, I really love Tessa Gray, but like I know like some of my friends who just like Clary just spoke to them so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Which we didn't get onto, but she was very well written as a character and as a protagonist, very well written. Yeah. Yeah. She was annoying, but in an annoying like teenage girl way. Yeah. In a the way that she way. Been, and she outgrew it which I loved. Yeah. Like she had this just like steady character development. Um, so, yeah, I think I would pass it on. I think um, I just think Cassandra Clare was just, she just nailed it. I mean, yeah. she obviously had her issues, but overall she nailed she it. And let's book. hope she nails it with this book that's out tomorrow. Yeah, I'm go really buy it, guess. Or maybe go like um, plagiarize it maybe. <laughs> There'll be a yeah. PDF somewhere. We'll post a link. <laughs> we yeah, won't we'll do that. Link. Don't take our, please don't take our Instagram down. <laughs> Instagram calls. <laughs> we won't do it but like maybe send us a message <laughs> yeah um we've got to go to a song now because we are out of time yeah um but thank you for listening and feel free to follow us on tiktok and watch that train wreck and feel free to yeah. follow us on yeah. um instagram spotify whatever you want to do this is um hearts by jesse Ware, and we'll see you next week yeah bye, bye everyone And that's not working, which is really awkward. Um, hang on, we may have another song for you. We may also just jump to our whoever's on next. We'll see what we can do. Bye, everyone. Underneath the echoes, buried in the shadows. No.